welcome back to Down to a Fine Art Podcast. Yay! Got that in one go. Yes, take one. <laughs> Smoothly does it. I feel like we should say both of us are quite tired today. Yeah. We're quite excited for this episode though. Um, yeah, our worry is that, oh, we say this every time, but like mentally I feel like the potential of this episode is quite hefty. Yeah. And I don't know that my brain is strong enough to hold it up at the moment. Yes, I kind of agree with we'll that. We'll see how it goes. I think also, like, it's quite an interesting topic we've gone for, like, discussion that we're going to try and have. And mm. I want to do it justice, you know? Like, yeah. It's but... not really one you can do half-heartedly. Yeah. I mean, we can always come back to it if we really mess up. That's true, to be fair. This could be part one of a many-part series. Is <laughs> <laughs> that not what a podcast is, anyway? I mean, this is true. It could be a sub-series within the podcast. <laughs> wow. Like our guest episodes. They're like a little mini... Okay, I quite like that. ...thing we've got going on. Okay, this sort of takes pressure off a bit, I guess. Mm, yes, that's um, essentially what I'm trying to do here. I like that. Mm. Okay, well, either way, so I guess I'll introduce today's yeah. episode. So, like, obviously, we've done a few other episodes where we've discussed kind of concepts, I guess. Like, we did um, the death episode, um, which is an all-time favourite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that really was a good episode. Was, um, good. I think we did the deep time episode. Mm. Um, we've done a few, so I think we wanted to do another one like that. And I think something that's kind of, it does pop up in both of our practices, not necessarily as like a very um, prominent theme, but it's, it's kind of quite a like, just background influential, I guess, concept that we yeah. kind of consider quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so in today's episode, we're going to be discussing all things climate change. Climate change. Climate. Yeah, actually, this is something I was going to say, because I think... I think it was maybe The Guardian, or maybe it was the BBC, I don't know, it was one kind of big journal, like, yeah, j- journal, J- journal, oh god, oh no, oh no, journal, <laughs> journalism, journal account, journal, journalising, journalising, <laughs> a big, journalising <laughs> company, <laughs> I think, if I'm remembering correctly, which is not a given by any means, I think they said that they were going to call, instead of calling it like climate change, they like going to change all of their terminology to climate crisis just yes, to really I like have also seen hammer that. home how serious it is. So I don't know if in this episode we should take a, a similar approach and refer to it as the climate crisis. Yes, I Obviously like there's that. like nuances within it and we'll be talking about like different subsections because mm. as a whole it's a very... I'm doing a lot of hand-waving again. It's a very big thing. Maybe I need crisis. to take a video of this. <laughs> yeah, and you need the little... It's got little offshoots that we will be addressing. We'll be solving. <laughs> oh, the offshoots was a good one. It was like a little like... Um... <laughs> Jab, 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 jab. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, sorry, that really dear that already. No. But, um, yeah, maybe we should talk about the climate crisis. Yes, the climate crisis. Obviously, we can talk a bit about art, mm-hmm. um, kind of in relation to that, and the climate crisis in relation to art. Yeah, um, yeah, we've got this, like, dual-pronged approach to this episode. Yeah. That's a very fancy way of saying it. A dual-pronged dual approach. <laughs> we will be solving the climate crisis today, ladies and gentlemen, with our dual-pronged approach. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to talk about, very roughly speaking, the impact of like the climate crisis and everything going on there on the art world, and then also vice versa, the impact of the art world on the climate crisis, which may sound weird, but we'll unpick it. Yeah, I think there are like things within that that we're going yeah. to specifically sort of try and cover, I guess. Yes. So. I don't know which one we want to start with. Um, I don't know. I think we should start with... Ooh. I thought if I started that sentence, maybe the end would come to me. But and it, it did not, did it? <laughs> um, the, I think maybe we should start with the impact of the, oh, <laughs> the climate crisis 
on art because that allows us to talk a bit about the okay. climate crisis in general and the general vibes. The general vibes of the climate <laughs> crisis. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good start to this episode like, so today we're going to be talking about the general vibes of the climate crisis that's a potential title for the episode i think it should be called that the general vibes the general vibe of the climate crisis so so discussing the general vibes of the climate crisis yeah, but like the general vibes of the climate crisis in art specifically yes. i don't know if we want to start with our own art or like people other people's art or like um because I feel like potentially other people's art, even though we normally start with ourselves, because for both of us, our art isn't explicitly climate yeah. crisis, maybe we should see, maybe we should have prepped this before. Maybe. <laughs> see if we can think of any artists mm-hmm. that really what like speak to and like work with the climate crisis in different ways. Yeah. I don't know why we put ourselves on the spot like this. I do have a couple. I mean, I have one that I know you also have. <laughs> I have a couple. One of them is the one that we're both from, <laughs> and then I do have another one, so I can do the um, other. I'm trying to think of. Oh come on! I must. I'm I sure must it'll be know one of those people. things that, like, the more we talk about it, the more we think of people. Because I'm so. sure. Yeah, there are so many people that I don't know. It's interesting because I don't know. Like, I was like, yeah, there's so many artists that like include it in their work, but I don't actually know that there are. Like, it seems it's one of those ones that's such a big issue that you'd think everyone would be talking about it and making art about yeah. it. But actually, like, a lot of people. I don't know. Like. A lot of people don't, mm. which is psychologically interesting. I suppose that's weird. Psych- <laughs> I was waiting for you to pick up on that. Psychologically interesting. I just I feel like I feel like there's a lot of psychology around the climate crisis because it's like such yeah. a big, like overshadowing, mm. ominous thing that I think a lot of people just cope with it by not thinking about it, which is understandable because yeah. you can't really be thinking about that day in day out. Um, yeah, very much. And it's one of those ones which has so many different offshoots of the jamming oh, hand movements <laughs> that I suppose people are making art about like different tiny pieces of it. Yeah, yeah. It's never really like a like, nobody's like gonna one solve it. whole yeah. thing. People usually kind of specify within it a bit. They like yeah. look at one specific part of the climate crisis, I guess. Yeah, and it's also not really something that. Oh, I have actually. Th- I've got a couple of people. Nice. It's also something that I don't think people. It's not something that needs like raising awareness of. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, not like, like oh, everyone is well aware. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, so it's a it's a strange one. But anyway, yeah, let's get into some actual people. Nice. Make this conversation a bit less abstract. Yes. Do you want to go first? Sure. Just, Shall I go for the obvious person first? Person. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, the person we are clearly both thinking of is Rachel Sussman. Absolutely. Essentially, this podcast has just become the Rachel Sussman podcast. It has basically. I think she's mentioned on nearly every episode. <laughs> Could you imagine if we got her on here? Ooh. Oh, that would be amazing. Who did we... We got your tutor onto Rachel Sussman as well, didn't we? That's yes. Always... I regret phrasing that like that, but... <laughs> yeah, I um, We're spreading I had my dissertation feedback kind of the other week or something. Mm. And my dissertation tutor told me that he actually went and bought Rachel Sussman's book. Yes. Because I kept banging on about it, essentially. Oh, that's so good. I don't think I've got it here. Oh, maybe I do because I gave it to you. I don't remember. It's by the mm. by. <laughs> completely irrelevant to the podcast either way i've got i've got in my room so i can always go get it if it's needed but yeah obviously as we've mentioned before Mm. um rachel sussman i'm thinking that she has a few projects and they're all really interesting and they're all quite not necessarily climate crisis based but they're all quite natural environment based um however this one specific project which is obviously her book so the oldest living things in the world as we've mentioned many a time um she essentially has collected 
all the oldest living organisms in the world and put them into a book. But again, like it's quite interesting because she, it's very photography based. It's a beautiful book, but like there's a lot of writing in it. And it's just her experiences with like collating the book or like the issues she faced getting to things. And mm. but it's quite nice having like a commentary on what she learnt while doing it because obviously she had to collaborate with a lot of scientists and specialists to get to these things and learn about them. Um, mm. And it is quite interesting because, yeah, a lot of them are quite, quite linked with the climate crisis in the sense that like yeah some of them have you know they've survived like thousands of years only to now be in danger because like it's getting hotter or like it's getting colder or it's raining too much or like humans have come along and started like harvesting it or yeah all that fun stuff yeah i don't i think it's interesting because so another artist that i was thinking of mm. is and i'm Always not sure how to say this until I say it. Oliver Elliot. Oh, okay, that's also who I was going to say. Oh, okay, Oliver um, Eliason. Eliason. And his work, when you like compare it to Rachel Sussman, his work is very like overtly climate based. Yes. So, for example, I know that there was a piece he did called, I think it was called Ice Watch, and he just got chunks. I say just, this is quite a feat. He got some chunks of like um, Arctic ice, and wow. he just left them in central London, and people just came along and watched them melt, essentially. Ah. Um, and so, like, that's very, very directly about melting ice caps. Yeah, that's quite There's a... There's no two ways about it. Like, whereas, look at this issue. <laughs> and whereas Rachel Sussman's work, like, I think it's it's a bit more um, nuanced, that's the right word, or, like, a bit more subjective. Indirect, maybe. Yeah, because, like... like we, I think, me and you, we definitely look at it in a climate way. Yeah. And I think it is definitely a climate piece of work yeah. in terms of some of the things that she writes about is, like, very explicit. Yeah. Whereas, but I don't, like, some people might look at it and be like, oh, it's more about deep time and kind of... Yeah, might interpret it a different way. Yeah, and and I think it very much depends how... This is what I mean by, like, psychologically. It's quite interesting because mm. it depends, like, how much of a big issue it is in your mind yeah i guess like like, how in tuned you are to specific areas of it because there's a lot of people who do work like artworks in some way shape or form to do with like natural things Mm. which is a very loose way of putting it but like i think a lot of people who make art about yeah natural things for people like us we might look at it and be like oh yeah this is definitely about climate change because nature is dying it's in danger and this is about nature so yeah like it's very easy to like project gloom and doom onto it whereas yeah. other people might be like oh that's pretty what a nice field yeah <laughs> like it's yeah it's a strange one because you've got yeah you've got like the gradient of all that's a really interesting point actually rachel yeah i guess like by extension one of the other people i thought of like is kind of i guess you could kind of tie it in with that like mm. i've met i have mentioned him before i think it was you know one of the very first episodes we did where we spoke about like artists that we yes, like or something tennis. yes mm. um classic oh yes um, a title yeah he was one of the artists i did so he's actually a photographer called joel Sutor, ah. um and he runs a project called the photo arc which essentially his aim with the photo arc is to photograph literally like every living animal it's so like i don't know what number he's up to currently but he's done thousands and they're all online you can see all the photos they're really good for like reference images actually if like yeah. that's what i came across it for was like i was looking for a reference image of an animal so mm. i could draw from it mm-hmm. but um i think something that makes him quite unique is that it's not 
just a photo of the animal it's a documentation of the animal like it's not an animal do you know what i mean it's not like he takes pictures of monkeys swinging from trees like he might do that mm. but for the photo arc it is a picture of a monkey that they've brought into like a photo studio mm. or like done against a black or white background like it's yeah. a documentation of that animal yeah. and again like a lot of people would probably look at that and be like well that's not climate crisis related like in the slightest like that's just animals mm. but i very much look at it and go like that is hugely climate crisis related because his like life's work is to essentially document animals that are dying off that's all he's trying to do is like have physical documentations of something that might not be around in a few years time like mm. i very much look at that and go like that is climate crisis related yeah it's so interesting because i think again like with that and with rachel's work like it's very much an, in, an intersection between yes. art and science and i think that's where so like that's where it feels weird to be like feels like a weirdly definite category to be like ah about the climate crisis because a lot of the climate crisis facts and figures and news and like i don't know what the right word (laughs) is like information i suppose is very scientific yeah and so it's like where does art come into that yeah because sometimes it can feel a bit pointless to be like why am i making art about this when i could be retraining as a scientist and actually helping the issue but then I can't remember where I read this recently. Ooh, I think I was reading the blurb of a book. Uh-huh. I think the book... Oh, can I remember what the book was called? Probably not. I was going to say, from, you know, history, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been... It might have been a book like called On Time and Water. Anyway, doesn't matter what the book was called. <laughs> and it was this guy who was, like, a writer, and he mentioned that, like... Oh, I can't really remember, like, why he was talking to these climate scientists, but uh, maybe a climate scientist approached him and was like why aren't you writing about the climate crisis? Mm. Like, it's the single biggest issue of our time. And he was like, well, we all know about it. Like, why would I write about it? Like, there's no point in adding my opinion to the pile. And then they, he was like... This rings a bell. And then this this uh, climate scientist person was like, no, but, like, the scientists are doing the job of, like, the science, the facts and figures, but, like, we need artists and, like, people like you to kind of make it emotionally accessible or, like, to yeah. bring it home to people that it's not just, like, these... Like when you see facts and figures of like how many monkeys are dying and blah somewhere yeah. or other, and but then you see like a picture of like the animal in a studio or like a picture of a tree or like you know it's like the art is like bridging that very much gap a bit, um, which is why I think like there's so many art. It's like it's hard to kind of be like this artist looks at this and that can fit into our climate crisis box because mm. it very much it's yeah like it's a personal thing of like what you see in it and if yeah. you're going to relate it to this weird abstract hyper object yeah because we we kind of mentioned that like on one of the other episodes we did when we spoke about can art change the world sort of thing Mm. because yeah again like you can have people obviously scientists doing all the like scientific based things but like there is a reason you train as a scientist like not everyone can understand that information like becoming a scientist in that area and like conducting that work Mm. is not accessible there's a reason for that like you have to train you have to be qualified you have to know what you're doing Mm. so to like get the information that the scientists kind of come up with and to kind of get it to like the general public there is a massive gap between that and i think that's where the arts come in like artists writers musicians like Mm. they're able to take something that you know this information that's very like scientific and make it a lot more accessible like engaging so like the everyday person can be like okay 
if you just shouted those numbers at me, like I wouldn't know anything, but like you're showing me pictures, you're like providing me with like a more emotive stance. Like yeah, I can exactly. understand that now. Yeah, I do agree. Part of me wanted to start to, something you just said reminded me of that film, um, Don't Look Up. It was quite a, so it was like quite a big film that came out recently. I don't, this oh, is, probably, is that like the Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, and Jennifer Lawrence and it one? It got a lot of like, Oh, I, I, feel, I feel like neither of us have seen this, so maybe this is a bad thing to bring up, <laughs> because like, it's quite hot, hotly debated, and I don't know enough about it, but like I think that's an interesting example of, like, that was theoretically what we're talking about. Like That was like somebody taking the climate crisis and all the knowledge that we have about it and putting it in a film and being like, this will reach the masses. Mm. But the, the, the thing with that is that it wasn't very nuanced. It was very much just like, oh, look, there's a climate crisis. And like, oh, we do all know that there's a climate crisis. Yeah. Like, whereas I think the more, in my opinion, the more like maybe successful artworks that do that is things that are a little bit subtle or like address, like we were saying about with Alice, like addressing like smaller subsections of it. Like you can't. Yeah, you can't take on the like, whole thing. Yeah, like, and there's so many, there's a million different causes and a million different ways that you can tackle it. It's just kind of attack at tackling one of those at once rather than like the whole big issue of like oh, i'm going to make work about the climate crisis yeah like, it's so big yeah like you choose a specific thing like obviously joel sator his Animals. specific thing is the documentation of species like mm. that's you know quite don't get me wrong that's a massive feat in itself but, yeah, but like but it's, it's quite a specific thing yeah which yeah i think is a lot more successful than just being like i'm just gonna tackle this whole massive issue that's yeah. like essentially ending our world mm. i don't think i can think of any other artists i'd like to mention some new artists i feel like we just go through the same we do artists. go through the same artists we need to get better at this um but this is the thing like i'm trying to think of like artists i've looked at recently but again it's like i can personally relate them all back to the climate crisis because it's just so everywhere yeah but, like it doesn't mean that they are making work about yeah like i watched this very short film called like hydromancy and it was about water mm. and it's like I don't think anywhere they referenced the fact that like it was about the climate crisis, but like obviously water is a big thing. Yeah. In fact, it was about you know it was in my dissertation quite heavily, mm. which actually might be a good link to our okay because we were going to talk a little bit about like well our own work, mm -hmm. and I think it's similar for our own work. Both of us make work that's like has climate crisis in the background. It's like yeah. a bit more again like we're just conscious of it, aren't want. we? Yeah. yeah. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't think I would say that my work is about the climate crisis no but i then, definitely wouldn't either but then my dissertation was about water and the idea of the anthropocene like yeah. the impact of humans on that and that very much in my head feeds into my work because we were going to talk about gaia theory gaia theory i yeah. always say wrong gaia theory uh i say gaia theory but i think i think there's like a multitude of ways people say it <laughs> yeah because that's very much a, a climate theory yeah and it's quite an interesting one as well like mm. it's not i feel like a lot of the climate sort of theories are quite similar mm. but Gaia theory is really quite is is different yeah like I don't really know many other things that Ooh. follow the same I have thought of an artist I'm Ooh, gonna write yes. it down so do continue no go for it okay <laughs> I don't know why I was like I'm gonna write this down so I fully interrupted you I was just thinking I also may have mentioned this person before but like Gaia theory is definitely one that's used by a lot of artists because it's quite a poetic idea and scientific and the first person I heard it from was Tanya Kovacs Ah. She does a lot of very interesting work that's like, again, I would say quite climate related, but mm. maybe not directly. Explicitly about, yeah. yeah. But anyway, let's talk about, the do you want to introduce what Gaia Theory is? Um, absolutely. 
this is <laughs> that was absolutely said on the way of like I absolutely do not want to do that I think just my immediate issue is like so obviously guy theory formed the basis for my dissertation mm. I've tried very hard to forget my dissertation oh, I'm so sorry <laughs> it's more that like I remember introducing guy theory in my dissertation obviously mm. and like I had all the dates down and everything like yeah. and I'm now thinking like I'm about to throw some dates out and like they could be very wrong well, you know, but... we can skip over the dates and just be like this generally this happened. general yes so essentially <laughs> Gaia theory is a concept put forward by someone called James Lovelock. I believe James Lovelock is like a Cornish, Devon-based oh, man. Yeah, but he's well. quite old now. He's like 90s or 100s and he lives oh, in a little hut. Christ, wow. Um, he's still writing as well. Oh, he's nice. an impressive dude. Yeah. But yeah, so basically he... Okay. <laughs> Please don't judge me if I mess this up. <laughs> so essentially... Gaia theory, like the name Gaia theory, comes from Greek mythology. So Gaia is Mother Earth. Except in Greek mythology, like Mother Earth isn't quite the same as what we nowadays would consider Mother Earth to be. Mm -hmm. So I think nowadays when you think of Mother Earth, you think of like the trees and like essentially this entity that like creates life. Like that wasn't quite it in Greek mythology. Mm. Um, so in Greek mythology, Gaia was the Earth, as in like the earth was an entity so like obviously by extension like all the life that came from earth was part of Gaia but like the actual planet was Gaia it's just like obviously you have like Uranus who was the sky mm. um so it's not like he was god of the sky like he was the sky right um so basically Gaia was the earth and it's very aptly named because obviously Gaia theory is the idea that earth is not is not just like this kind of lifeless material it's not a rock that floats through space that has life upon it mm. it is alive so like james lovelock proposes that the earth is actually one super organism it's one entity mm. so like the humans like the soil all the rocks um like the birds all the animals all the sea creatures like literally every living thing on this planet every natural thing on this planet is not individual it's part of one entity mm. so like we're all just a part of one bigger thing mm. um which i quite like the idea of it's very interesting but again i think you can probably see why this is it's very much based in science and i'm pretty sure i'm like 99 percent sure that it's actually been confirmed that the earth is like it's not an something that's incapable of life like it is a super organism Hmm. Or like there's definitely it's very scientific like it's not mm -hmm. just some dude that's like oh, I think this yeah, like yeah. there's a lot of science that goes into it yeah. um, you can also understand why it's quite heavily criticised mm -hmm. because it's quite holistic it's a very like holistic mm. approach to our perception of life but yeah so essentially he just believes that like Earth is one living entity and in order to protect itself essentially it is willing to kill off things to mm. protect itself which is where the climate crisis comes in. Um, so obviously he kind of, I think he uses the analogy of like comparing it to a human being if they catch like a disease or like an illness or a sickness or something. You get a fever which burns it out of your body. So he's basically proposing that the earth is doing the same thing. So we're damaging it mm -hmm. so much and causing things to just go so out of whack that it's heating up to make it essentially like the word like inhospitable like you can't live yeah. on it yeah so he's basically that's his 
proposal is that he believes that the earth is trying to actually kill off what is making it sick which is us basically and he said it's not like it's really interesting the way he writes i have to say that i would so highly recommend his book so it's called the revenge of gaia he's Mm -hmm. done a few books but the revenge of gaia is the one i've read Mm -hmm. um and it's such an interesting concept in itself but like the way he writes is brilliant like he's a very accessible writer like there are a lot of people i read and i'm like oh my god it's taken me like an hour to read this one paragraph (laughs) yeah he's not like that at all he's a very good writer like i immediately got kind of quite drawn into what he was saying yeah um but yeah so that's gaia theory essentially Mm -hmm. that the earth is one entity it's like one organism Mm. with lots of like little organisms (laughs) as a bigger part of it but yeah it's it's quite interesting very interesting yeah i realize I thought I knew Gaia Theory, and I think I knew the very basic outline of it, but mm. obviously you've read his book, and I have not. I have to say, I haven't read all the book, I've read, like, you've read a part of, of it, book, <laughs> and I have not. Um, I didn't know that, like, I knew that the name came from, like, Greek mythology, but I didn't know that, like, I didn't know the ins and outs of Greek mythology specifically. Mm. Um, I kind of feel like, as you told that story, I was like, I only recognised a tiny bit, I was like, oh, I didn't know the start, but and I was like, ah, now we get to the bit I know, and I was like, oh, wait, I didn't know that. <laughs> Um, because yeah like you said it sounds like as a theory it sounds like something that somebody's just made up as like a sci-fi thing yeah like like, holistic is a very good word for it i wouldn't have come up with that but like yeah it's exactly it's like i use that word quite a lot in my dissertation (laughs) it's a very very useful word and then yeah which is why it feels and i think why it's picked up by so many artists because it feels like it almost feels like what an artist would have come up with if they were a scientist which is why it's interesting that you say that he writes well because he's clearly you know kind of got some creativity in him <laughs> yeah definitely um it's a really yeah i i like the theory like don't get me wrong i can see you can, can see, see cr- why people pick it apart like yeah. i can see why it's criticized and i think rightly so because you do need to criticize things mm. but i think actually at its core it's a really interesting take mm. and i actually i think it's quite like an exciting thing to be like oh actually i just made like a connection Ooh, do you think maybe part of the reason it's quite like i think it's or we think it's like quite an interesting thing it's because it's quite empathetic ah. do you know what i mean instead of being like oh we've got to save the earth and the animals because like it's morally the right thing to do mm. it's obviously like guy theory poses that like we're actually just not separate entities like we are the same thing like we're one thing do you think maybe it like plays on like i don't know instead of relying on humanity's empathy to like save other animals or like the environment which let's be honest humanity lacks a lot of empathy um (laughs) yeah it's kind of that idea of you don't need empathy you just need to actually care about yourself because like you need to be selfish because like if this isn't fixed like you're going to die like your environment's going to change like we're all part of one thing you can't like outrun it like you can't remove yourself from it and escape it because you're part of one entity yeah yeah, maybe. I don't know, that just kind of popped into my head. It's yeah. quite a different approach to like a lot of the other environmental yeah, theories. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, like it does, science often feels quite cold. It does. Which is why, again, like we were saying, like that's why you need sometimes artists to come and interpret it or yeah. like make it more empathetic, whereas it's already got that like sense of, yeah, emotion emotionalness. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I do think like there's this whole thing of, anthropomorphizing things yes. and that being quite like a da- not dangerous thing to do but like it can be quite problematic because it's very like centering to humans and being yeah. like 
oh, it's just like us, and like projecting human qualities onto things. Yeah. Because I think part of what I didn't realise about Gaia, or like maybe I hadn't, because I've only thought about it quite briefly. Mm. I don't really know why. Like, I don't really know where, at what point <laughs> in my life I've been like, let me think about Gaia. Let for me a bit. sit and think about this. <laughs> um, but I don't think I had thought through or like read or like whatever how living organisms like humans and animals come into it because i think i uh, my understanding of it was more that like the earth is a self-regulating entity but like in terms of i was really equating it to like the seas and how like obviously we in our heads say like that's the pacific that's the atlantic and we separate them yeah whereas actually it's like they're all connected yeah they're just and like wanting. geological forces is more like self-regulating but i don't but i'm not saying that that's but I hadn't really thought about like how humanity yeah. comes into that and if like we're being part of this cycle or like if we're disrupting. Yeah. It's like what the what's the cause and what's the effect? Like, are we is the earth actively being like, get off, you're messing it up, or is it just that that's a, you know, that's it's a coincidence that we're messing the earth up and therefore it's becoming mm. less hospitable to us. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's also kind mm. of I don't know if you think about this. I weirdly think about this quite a lot. No, okay. I can't wait to now always <laughs> I was think about say... this. <laughs> <laughs> do apologise. Okay. <laughs> like, I always think about, because you know... I'm sorry, this is just... This is just such a, like, existential crisis oh, waiting no. to happen. But, like... <laughs> Let me just take a minute to appreciate my lack of existential crisis. <laughs> Ah, okay, I'm ready. Enjoying that, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's not awful, okay. but essentially, like, I think about, I guess, like evolution quite a lot, and this idea that we are. Do you know what I mean? Like in the history of evolution, like everything kind of started from one thing, and it slowly kind of grew and like changed, yeah. and it's just interesting. Like I don't know, like looking at the beginning of human. Sorry, I'm gonna. That's just not the words <laughs> aren't coming to me, but like. You know, looking at, like, the beginning of humans and being like, oh, we were just, like, living in our little caves. Yeah. Like, we were just another animal. Do you know what I mean? No, we don't really do anything. Like, uh-huh. we... I guess, like... I don't know. It's just that idea that, like, at some point, we started hunting in a way that was different. Like, we didn't use what we naturally had. We started using our brains. And yeah. then we started building things. And then we started hunting too much. And then we started sending species to extinction. Mm. And somehow we're now here which is essentially we've dominated the planet and have like Mm. created this very structured hierarchy where we sit at the top like Mm -hmm. we're very much like we are humans we come first animals are separate like we don't even call ourselves animals anymore i just it really like messes with my mind that like at what point did we move from being an animal something that was natural to this world to essentially what we are now which is i view it as very unnatural yeah God. and it's weird to think that like we are at least i know this is very much my opinion but like i don't think we're natural anymore we wear clothes we dye our hair like mm. we have infrastructures across like the entire planet like we can fly in the air on planes like th- none of this is natural yeah. like we've built it and like we've used our brains to like advance but it's just odd that like at some point we weren't like that like we were just another animal on the planet along with all the other animals and i guess gaia theory is quite an interesting thing applied to that because it's again the idea of at what point did we become an issue like at what point did we become like this virus that it is Mm. essentially making the planet sick because at some point we were 
we were just like a little animal, you know, yeah. like living in our caves, loving life. Probably not loving life, but yeah, probably it. <laughs> you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, there's very much lots of interesting things that you said. <laughs> Um, I hate that I think about this quite a lot. I'm just there, I'm like, where did it all happen? But no, because I had, it's really reminded me, I had this moment yesterday, I might sound absolutely mad, but like, I was in the kitchen. Yes. Um, and just for context, I had... Were you sat on the freezer at <laughs> one o'clock in the morning eating nuts? I was not, no, it was daylight. It was okay. Um, just for context, our house is like, kind of upside down, so our kitchen is at the top of the house, mm. and because Falmouth is on a hill, it's quite high up, like it's kind of essentially three stories up. Yeah. And I, yeah, I was just in the kitchen, I think I was probably washing up or something, and there was like, there's a tree outside, and the top of the tree is at the same height as the kitchen, and there was like a little bird, I think it was like a chaffinch or something? Oh, I don't really know birds. I know what it looks like, but I... It was a small bird. It was a small bird, <laughs> it was... Yeah, it doesn't matter what the bird was, there was a bird. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Glad we established that. And I just had a little moment of like, I was looking at the bird, and I was like, I think it's because we were at the same height. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this bird is sat on a tree. I'm sat on the top of a, not the top of a, you know, I'm sat, I'm propped up on a building. Yeah. This is propped up on a tree. And I was looking at the bird. And I was just like, this is only a very brief moment that I'd forgotten about, but you saying that has like really rekindled this moment. And I was like, I was just thinking about the difference in our like days. I was like, what's that bird doing today? Like, <laughs> that bird's just going around, you know, like, I don't really know what birds do in a day, but I imagine it's kind of fly about a bit, trying not to get eaten by a cat, eat some. Uh, bird food, <laughs> nice. maybe sleep, maybe make a nest, I don't know. That was kind of the vibe. And I was like, what am I doing today? And I was like, the things I'm doing today are so wildly removed from like what that bird is doing today. Like, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but you know, like, what did I do yesterday? Um, I made some art, like, you know, like I- Made it, some cookies? Yeah, I made some cookies, I did some, like it was just, and you know, like the, the things that are stressing me out are so weirdly, like, what am I going to do when I graduate? You know, those kind of yeah. things. And the thing that's stressing that bird like out social is... social constructs, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. It's a lot more, yeah, like, kind of abstract. And it's like you say, we're so far removed. But it's almost like we're so far removed. Like, it's our, completely our own doing that we're so far removed. Mm. And it reminded me of... Just to bring a bit of terminology in here. Oh. I think it was Timothy Morton. He, in, he talked about this idea... I really hope I've got the right man. Um... <laughs> Um, of like the symbiotic real. Simon's talked about this in a lecture once, so maybe okay. it might ring a bell, I don't know. And essentially he proposes that we like abandon the term nature because nature very much like enforces this separation of like nature's over there, like there's a nice line around humanity, yes. nature's over there and we're in here, whereas I the symbiotic do real. Agree with that. I mean it, I guess it's not really about the term symbiotic real, it's just about more the idea of like abandoning nature because that's absolutely part of our problem is that we're so like we think we're so far apart. Yeah. And we kind of are, to some extent. Like, yeah. you know, we, we can't, like, ignore the fact to be like, we're just like one of the rest of the animals, because we're not. But also we are. <laughs> yeah. And it's about, like, remembering that and kind of literally quite, literally bringing ourselves back to Earth, back yeah. down to down to Earth, and being like, yeah, wait, hang on, we are just an animal. Like, we do, do we need all mm. these bloody constructs <laughs> and things like that? That's really interesting. Because I think I do agree with that, actually. Like like you said, we we are an animal. <laughs> also like we very much don't really act like it we've yeah. i feel like we've created our own I know, sorry this is just getting like so complicated because i'm well aware that we have documented evolution and like named things and yeah. like but essentially <laughs> like we've created our own like separation for ourselves like we're like we are humans we yes. are no longer animals we're humans yeah and 
we sit in our three-story houses looking at birds. Like, <laughs> like it's like the literal separation of the pane of glass was yeah. like... Yeah. It's just, it's a very odd, odd thing to consider, which I think, I think it's why I like Gaia Theory, because it does... I think I read, like, the first chapter and I was like, I feel like my mind has really shifted, you know? Mm. Like, I think it's bringing up points that just really decenter my view of... Ooh, that's nice. Kind yeah. of... Just life in general. It was quite an interesting thing. That's exactly it. Decentering. Yeah. That's a very important notion. Yeah. Very central to this. Yeah. Yes. I don't we... know where to go from this. I was going to say, should we... This feels like a... Should we segue to the other part of the podcast? Yes, absolutely. Um, which is the impact... Wait, which one have we done? We've done the impact of climate change on art. I mean, we've done... We've gone very much wildly off that, but that's what Fair. we started. <laughs> and then we were thinking also about talking about the impact of art on climate change. Which I think what I meant by that, personally, mm-hmm. is uh, it's a real struggle <laughs> in my day-to-day life. I thought that was going to be like just a complete sentence then. It's a real it's struggle. A real... Oh, do you know what we didn't mention? The nuclear... Oh. Shall I just throw that in there quickly? Yeah, sure. I mean, we don't really have to discuss it. I feel like it's just an interesting point. Yeah, 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 go for it. So James Lovelock, the guy who put forward Gaia theory, mm. um, obviously is so concerned with like the climate crisis, like... His writing, like I said, is very engaging, but it's very like, he's like, we need to change now. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things that I wrote about in my dissertation was this idea of he doesn't believe in sustainable living or like sustainable options. He thinks they should be scrapped um, because essentially mm-hmm. it is too late for sustainable. We need change now. We don't need things for the future. We don't need things that will like help us in like 20 years time or like last longer. We need immediate change now because it's way too late for sustainable living. Mm-hmm. So he basically said, like, you know, a hundred years ago, sustainable living would have been the perfect option mm. because it's sustainable, like it's something you can continue. But essentially, we're so far past the point of sustainable working oh. that like it's just not worth it. Yeah. But essentially, what I was gonna mention is that James Lovelock is actually pro-nuclear, which is quite an interesting thing for someone who is very actively like climate crisis is like the biggest thing we face today like there is essentially we should not be focusing on anything else other than the climate crisis like we must act now things must change Mm. and yet he's pro nuclear power and in my head i was like that's just that just doesn't make sense like that's (laughs) just genuinely nutty but it actually makes perfect sense when he explains himself and essentially it's the idea that nuclear power is effectively the only current thing we have that can provide us with energy that Mm. isn't taking from you know that isn't like burning through our resources or like chucking out loads of like carbon dioxide into the atmosphere like it's the Mm. only way we can actually like so i think he kind of said like if we were to completely move to nuclear power like today we could still to an extent sustain ourselves and cut off all the other like damaging things we're doing Mm. And he said, basically, that would give us enough time to then develop actual effective ways of like living. So he says he's basically he's not pro nuclear waste forever. Mm-hmm. He's pro nuclear waste for now. So we can essentially it's an emergency. We need something that acts now so we can then like fix everything. But he yeah. said, if you do it the other way of like trying to make what we currently have sustainable or more eco friendly, he said it's too late because it's just not going to work. You need to like stop it all now, mm. move to nuclear waste just to sustain ourselves and then come up with something that's effective. 
Yeah, that does make sense. Which is quite an interesting point. Like, obviously, you don't have to discuss it. It was just an interesting thing to point out. Mm. Yeah. I know you said we don't have to discuss it, but I now want to discuss it. We don't have to... <laughs> it was just one point, is that I wonder when that was written. Do you know when that was written? 2012, I think. Because, like, I really thought that... I don't know why that number came to... <laughs> it was quite recent. I liked it wasn't that. ages ago. was very confident. 2012. Yes. 2012. Yeah, because I really thought... I mean, I, I mean, I haven't really checked my stats, but, like, I remember a few years ago there being, like, a day where it was, like, celebrated that the UK had used completely renewable energy and i think that's quite common now is that like mm. we are doing pr- like there is more than enough like renewable power because you've got so many different like wind solar um watery what's it hydro something <laughs> and, like so many different sources but i mean yeah i i think even because 2012 is still 10 years ago so like mm. even it's just wild <laughs> but like yeah so even if he wrote that in 2012 and like i completely see where he's coming from like mm. at the time like that might have been the case but I mean, I also don't really, I don't know enough about nuclear and like the ins and outs yeah. at all, but I wonder if it's different now. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. yeah. It was an interesting point. Very interesting yeah. point. But yeah, back to my uh, yes. uh, personal everyday struggles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just, um, yep. Yeah. So I was going to say, when I make my sculptures, uh-huh. particularly like before Christmas, I was making lots of sculptures that used like glue and like plas- it was a very plasticky glue. Mm. And I at one point was like, oh, I really don't like using this because it's not like a natural material. Yeah. And then my tutor was like, well, it could be considered a little bit, like, conservative. Like, you don't want to be too, like, um, I don't know how to describe it. Like, you can embrace the fact that you're using an artificial material. Like, it brings something new to the work. And I was like, oh, absolutely. And, like, I went off with that for a bit and I started painting them with glue pink and being like, oh, like, what does the plastic, like, conceptually bring to this work? Mm. But now I'm like, wait, hang on a minute. Aside from conceptually what this does, like, it's still a bad material and like yeah. we just don't have time for that shit yeah. <laughs> like i even if conceptually it might mean different things like i don't really care <laughs> i don't want to be using yeah. materials that are horrible and like bad for the planet and like resin is like a really lovely material in terms of like it's very interesting visually yeah, it does like do a lot you with can it. do a lot with it but it's so horrible it's like it's horrific. so like plasticky and like it has so many it's just so toxic and like you can't get it off things and like it's just Mm. and so i think that's what i mean by like the effect of art on climate change is art as a business or as a market like that's not the word i mean like art as a thing i don't know what the word is i'm not quite sure what you're going for (laughs) just art as a whole like is responsible for a lot of things in the world like a lot of material like if you think about how much i have so much shit that i've made Mm. and i'm not gonna sell it I'm probably just, but I'm not going to, like, reuse it. Like, it's just things that I've made and, like, probably will get binned or, like... Yeah. And it is really just doesn't help questioning the whole, like, what's the point of art thing when you're, like, I'm not helping anything. I'm yeah, just, like, like, I'm producing waste. Yeah, and, and like, kind of clutter and... Exactly. So it's assessing, like... Because we were talking a bit about... Because, obviously, I'm coming from more of a sculptural point of view. Yeah. But then also, like, paint-wise, we were saying, obviously, like, acrylics. I don't know what about gouache. I don't know. I have to say, I really don't... It's something that, like, I should know, but, like, I really don't look into, like, how, like the paints I use. I don't know anything about them. Like, I don't know what they're made of. I don't know where they come from, which is quite concerning. Yeah, because I know... I don't know if I've made this up, but I think Falmouth are... Well, they're definitely rewriting their courses at the moment. Yeah, they are. Which I think start next year. And I have a feeling, or at least I hope, <laughs> that they may be bringing 
sustainability like into the curriculum you've got to think about how sustainable your materials are and oh, yeah like good. maybe it is too little too late but like you've got to try yeah <laughs> because i think it is kind of stupid like i know art is about the concept and like if we want to be doing all these things that we were talking about of like bridging the gap between art and science like it is important to make good art yeah but also like it is just stupid to use ridiculously toxic materials mm. like yeah. it, there's no need for like the i think I don't know. It's very easy to get very just making sweeping statements, but because I was about to say, I think the only like good reason for using like plastic and things like that is like for maybe for medical reasons. Like I know there's a lot of things that plastic is the best for. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a dangerously sweeping statement to be like it's only one good use, but just like surely, mm. surely we should like, be... limit it in every way possible. Yeah, and I feel like it's interesting though because I think obviously good old capitalism we've mentioned it many Ooh, a time i'm surprised um, it's taken it for this long I know. to come up actually <laughs> i'm surprised it's me bringing it up as well. <laughs> yes this is what we like to see <laughs> um but yeah like that whole there is no ethical consumption under capitalism mm. it applies to art as well because i just think like it's a scale isn't it so, like when you make art for example i'm a painter i don't use acrylics i used to like i have acrylic paint mm. um but like to be honest, it's kind of just not, it doesn't suit my way of working anymore. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm aware that like acrylic paint is, to my knowledge, one of the more damaging paints because it is plastic. Yeah. It's liquid plastic. Mm-hmm. Like, that's never going to like deteriorate or like, it's basically just plastic in a tube. Like, <laughs> yay. Um, so, for example, that maybe you could look at it on a scale and be like, okay, well, using acrylic paint is worse than using like watercolour paint. But then I'm sure watercolour paint also has, it's it comes in a plastic container or something mm. like, okay, well, that's more plastic. And then I know um, slightly different, but um, I know a lot of like, if you get like shimmery paints, if it contains mica, mica is one of the most exploited like materials in the world. It uses colossal amounts of child labour. It's really, really quite bad. Mm. So again, like, you know, if you're using, like, paints that contain mica, then, like, well, you know, you might be doing something yeah. better, but you're doing that worse. Like, it's very much, you can view it as a scale of, like, you can try to be as sustainable and eco-friendly as you possibly can. But again, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism and there's no right way to be sustainable in art because you just can't be fully, like, yeah, everything you do unless... Unless you're someone who is exceptionally privileged, who can literally live off their own land, grow their own food, like use like vegetable scraps to like make paints and dyes and like completely like essentially just live off the grid. Mm -hmm. You're always going to be doing something wrong, essentially, like whatever you do, it's going to have like a negative impact somewhere. Mm, Um, I do agree. And again, because we were talking about for the listeners. um, So Anna and one of our other housemates have gone vegan for this month. <laughs> and again, yes. we were talking about the fact that, you know, being vegan, it cuts out loads of very bad things, like the dairy industry, like mm. the meat industry, um, like the mistreatment of animals, like thinking like chickens if you stop buying eggs. Yeah. Um, like there's loads that you do right, but then you found out that tofu is really bad Tofu's for the environment. And apparently cocoa powder, like just like not even chocolate, but like cocoa yeah. is bad. And it's like that, yeah, like you say, it's just that thing of like, you can just get very backed into a corner because everything, like you say, no ethical consumption under capitalism, like everything has its negative impacts. Yeah. And it's like, it's not black and white. You can't just be like, tick, 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 right, I've done all the things right. You've got to like 
it's a one just big grey area and you've got to just kind of do the best you can and like try not beat yourself up about it like yeah yeah which I think is why it's so difficult in art because like if it's to do with what I'm eating it's like well I know I have to feed myself yeah and I do need to get the right nutrients like yeah if I have to eat some tofu every once in a while to get some protein like it is what it is yeah whereas with art it's like it's so difficult because it's like do I need to be doing this yeah but then you can that really quickly spirals into like why am I on this planet? Yeah. <laughs> so when well, I'm here, may as well have a good time. It's may a well surprisingly short jump from one thing <laughs> to the other. Like, oh, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there we are. Why do we exist? Oh, I've got tears in my eyes. <laughs> oh, why do we do this on a Sunday morning to ourselves? I don't know. <laughs> So yeah, um, <laughs> there's no real solution to that. No, there's not really, is there? Mm. So thanks for joining us this week. <laughs> oh, the funny thing is we probably will wrap it up there. Like, I don't know that we've got much else to say. Ah. <laughs> oh. Oh, dear. Like, do we have anything else? I don't know. We can't finish on that. No. To be fair, I guess we could finish more on the note of like, like we were saying with Alice last week, it's very, very easy to be doom and gloom. It is. But if we're doom and gloom, that we know, we know we'll be fucked. Yeah. If we try and stay positive and like try and do, do it small things, like try and have an impact, a positive impact. Not yeah. <laughs> if we try and make things worse. Like, no, if we try and leave my mark on this planet. <laughs> we try and have a positive impact, like even just very small, in small ways. Like, mm. you know, that is essentially all you can do. Because, like you said, if you are like, no, things are fucked, like, things are never going to get better, I, therefore I'm not going to even try. Then we're Clearly doing... things are not going to get better. Yeah, like... exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the message. We'll leave it on then. Yeah. I feel like this has gone down a real... I mean, it was kind of to be expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah so it was. Opening it with being like, so we're going to call this the climate crisis, because to be clear, it's an emergency. <laughs> so yeah, for like the... Maybe I should. Maybe I should replace the intro music with just like klaxons. Oh <laughs> Emergency air. It's always like Wah! I won't be doing that because that will be horrendous. You could do it on the like the end outro. <laughs> I'll see. I'll see. Thing yeah. is, for the... people listening, maybe turn down the volume quite yeah. imminently. You was gonna say I normally do a fade in, but maybe we'll just jump cut to siren. I don't know. I'll see. <laughs> Little surprise for you guys. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, oh dear. Honestly, poor Anna's just got to the end of editing the podcast, and I was like, oh, now I've got to find a klaxon. <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't have to. You don't have to do it, Anna. Future Anna. <laughs> Future Anna. This is weird. Yeah. Should we just stop? Yeah, I was about to say we always fall apart at this point. Would you okay, like to wrap well, it up? You're quite good at wrapping it up. I'm going to not get involved. Okay. We should like to say goodbye now. Goodbye. Okay, well, thank you for joining us, everyone. <laughs> um, we do apologise if we've essentially made you quite sad or mm. made you feel hopeless. Uh-huh. Oh, Sunday mornings. Um, uh, it'll be fine. But anyway, um, I do. It was quite an interesting thing to discuss. Yeah. To be fair, we do have elements of this in our work. Like, mm. I think it's something that people just like it's got to the point where like you just need to consider it now like mm, everyone knows everyone. what's happening like it's all you can really do to be honest but mm. yeah thank you for joining us you'll hear from us again in two weeks i imagine mm. like yeah. usual thank you for wrapping up nice See you soon. bye, bye. bye. <laughs>